For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football back, fantasy football back, the breakout football podcast, so back. Our second episode here on the Believe Podcast Network. However, you may be listening. We thank you as always. I'm Zach Cohen with Cole Topham. Feel free to drop those five-star reviews, which is fitting because we have an all-star show for you today featuring an all-star guest. He'll help us with our weekly superlatives, and Cole and I will throw some players at him. He'll give us a take on every single one. Then Cole and I will close the show with your questions. And man, did we get some juicy ones, but not before we play a game of true or false. Timestamps are in the description. It's a loaded show. And Cole, with pro football knocking on the door, man, I could not be more excited. Yeah, I'm clearing out my class schedule for tomorrow just so I can only worry about football and nothing else, right? I mean, I feel like I've just been racing around the past few days, and it's been hot here too, dude. Like, I feel like the first week of September, you expect temperatures in Arizona to start dropping down a bit. I don't know how it, how it is in Florida, but it is still a heater day after day. Yeah, I feel you on the heat. It gets a little wet sometimes too. Uh, so well, we, we really didn't get the best draw. We don't know rain in weather. Arizona. We you don't know her. Don't know what that is? Never? Yeah. Not once? Well, maybe our guest does. And look, I know we've always said we want to run this show totally. like a talk show. We want to have fun segments and as much content as we can. Well, our talk show is complete without a guest. So we have a very special guest to help us out with this first two segments. He does fantasy and betting for EstablishTheRun.com and NBC Sports Edge. He's done work with RotoViz and 4for4Football.com. We're so excited to bring in a true rising star in this business. Everybody, welcome Jack Miller. Jack, it's so good to have you, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. And uh, you guys can complain about the heat right now, but I'm definitely going to be jealous of you guys when it's December and it's zero degrees here in Illinois, but excited for the show today. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Send us some of that snow, you know, you're up there in Illinois and I think it's worth noting that well, actually there's two big things kind of here, you know, some, some good elephants in the room, if you will, not only are all three of us students, but we are representing the three different conferences. We're representing three different time zones. You got Cole at ASU. I'm at UF. Jack, you're at Illinois. I mean, I like my Gators better than your guys' teams to perform this year, but that's a different topic for a different type of podcast. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's good we'll, representation for we'll sure. See, we'll see you in basketball. Oh, uh, yeah. Football, you, you won't see us in basketball. We won't, we won't see won't show you. Up. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want to, but football, I mean, not so much here. <laughs> Jack, I got to ask you, when it gets like sub-zero in Illinois, do you have one of those like giant winter parkas with the fur like around the around the hood or no? Uh, I personally don't. A lot of people do. I do the like sweatshirt flannel combo. Okay, gotcha. And, uh, that treats me well, but a lot of people do have the like big puffy winter coats. Winter coat? What's that? Never heard of that one either. <laughs> a lot of firsts on this podcast right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, Jack, we do owe you uh, some sort of thanks because I don't even think Cole knows this. But, Jack, you were the one who kind of pointed me in the direction of Cole. So you said, oh, check out this guy, like, at ham analysis. And one thing led to another. Here we are today. So I got to I gotta pre- say big thumbs up for that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you said you wanted a college student, and there's not a whole bunch of us. So I, Cole is one of the ones that I, I knew was. 
Yeah, the fantasy industry uh, quickly diversifying, I guess, in terms of age. And here we all are still uh, working on homework. You got a bunch of other people in the industry doing great work as always, but they don't got to worry about their quiz tomorrow. So yeah, for sure. Their patterns in nature lab. That's what I was doing the other day. (laughs) So many people, if anyone, if you're older and you're listening and you're out of school, just know the struggle is still real. It's still real in college. Don't worry. (laughs) why don't we get into a staple here and i say staple i know it's only been the second episode but we want to make this something uh we do every week going forward we call it weekly superlatives so jack this is how it's gonna work cole and i we each got two superlatives to give you most likely biggest something least something and you just kind of tell us who you think best fits that bill then we'll tell you who we think fits that superlative so cole why don't you go first and you got a good superlative to kick us off for week one yeah for sure i mean week one is always really controversial because it seems like there's this giant buildup for one week out of um now like the 18 game regular season but it's always seems like week one just means a little bit more than all those other weeks and so with that being said a lot of overreactions can happen because of certain fantasy performances during the first week of the season so if someone has a pop-off performance or someone you know doesn't meet expectations who do you think is a good target to be trade bait after week one so in terms of guys i'd be Looking to trade, I'd be looking for like some of the veteran running backs like Melvin Gordon or someone, um, or just any of the guys that, that pop off week one. But in terms of who I'd be targeting, um, just the opposite, like Javante Williams, any of, the, any of the rookies that maybe we can expect to have a role later in the season, but they probably won't do anything in week one. Not bad, Cole. You got one for that? The biggest trade bait after, trade baits after week one? Yeah, I think uh, for me, we were discussing him a little bit earlier before the show, but Marquez Callaway of the Saints, I feel like with him and he, he's received a lot of praise from Jameis Winston over the preseason and he was electric against Jacksonville. I mean, then again, it is the preseason, but to see your sort of underproven wide receiver already meeting those expectations with your star receiver and Michael Thomas out for, you know, at least the first quarter of the season really then it's it's promising to see Callaway's you know development so far and I mean he gets a tough test in week one against Green Bay Uh, Jair Alexander he's probably going to be matched up man-to-man across the board on him and if Callaway has a decent performance and right now Callaway's pretty much going for dirt cheap in drafts and so if you're able to pawn off Callaway to a, a wide receiver needy team based off of that based off of a strong week one performance from him against Jair Alexander then I would say trade Callaway um, away from your from your roster and get a more you know proven veteran option or just someone more established at the position because once again uh, you're just trying to capitalize off that off that newness of of Callaway yeah definitely got a point especially with Michael Thomas out so good first superlative hopefully you've got kind of the hang of how this works so far Jack uh, my superlative is kind of along the similar lines I'm looking at someone who may start off the first week or two really well but doesn't do much else after so this superlative I like to call the biggest fake out Jack who you got yeah, so, I mean, I'll throw Melvin Gordon's name out there again because I think he should be the, the starter week one, and, but eventually it might turn into Devontae uh, Williams' backfield. And then along the similar lines, I guess Tevin Coleman would fit that mold as well as someone who should be the week one starter, but maybe as the year goes on, you'd expect Ty Johnson, maybe Michael Carter to get some more of that work. So just, uh, just that kind of archetype of the veteran running backs who will start week one because the coaches want the rookies to earn their stripes, but may not hold that role the entire season Mm. that's good especially if there's someone living under a rock who doesn't know that Javante Williams exists in Denver that's a good one mine to me was seems so glaringly obvious I made the superlative with the idea of Sammy Watkins in mind he just seems to live in week one it's like an annual tradition at this point like he has a fantastic season opener only to be barely rostered three weeks later uh in, in 2020 week one 21.5 points in ppr formats so that's how we do the show here 2019 46.8 points and it is even better that he couldn't be in a better spot for a first game breakout Rashad Bateman is out the Ravens they get the Raiders this week 
the Chiefs next week, which, you know, isn't the easiest matchup, but then the Lions the week after. So I really think Sammy Watkins' ownership rate is about to go to the roof just to drop back down again. So that's my biggest fake. You had Melvin Gordon. That's a good one. Cole, why don't we whip out your next superlative? Yeah, I mean, just one sec. Let's just hold a moment of silence for all the all the Sammy Watkins uh, fantasy managers over the past few seasons because I was definitely one of them, always believing that this was going to be the this was going to be the season for for Sammy. But alas, anyway. So Jack, you know, in the Men in Black movies, when the Will Smith holds up his little little flash thing and everyone loses their memory, well, that's sort of the superlative I'm going with here. Which player is most likely this season to neuralize one of your past fantasy teams for, you know, one of the players that you rostered that let you down in a previous season, but this year you expect to do well? I'm going to go with Joe Mixon for this one. I think he has hurt his fantasy owners a lot in the past. And so a lot of people just, I see Zach, Zach fist pumping right now. Um, I know he's hurt a lot of fantasy owners in the past. And I think a lot of people just have him off their board because of it, but he was third in PPR weighted opportunity per game last year. Um, before he got hurt, he was starting to grow into more of a three down role, even with Gio Bernard still there. And now Gio's gone. So he should have the backfield all to himself. There's a lot of buzz uh, from Bengals camp and Bengals coaches about Mixon getting that third down work. And he already was getting a massive rushing work workload last year. So, I mean, if you can combine those two things, I think we, we are potentially looking at the first season where Joe Mixon actually returns value uh, on his expectations. The first season. Yeah. I mean, those wounds still sting because not only did I have Mixon on one of my rosters last year, I had him the previous season as well. So that's like two seasons in a row. Mixon has let me down. Uh, my player is, is more recent and it's Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys who I think really underperformed as a first round running back. Didn't really deliver that that top of the draft caliber value that you would expect from, from someone that has a decent offensive line and is in a great offense in that when Dak went down in week seven last year, you would expect Zeke to sort of take up that offensive slack and really be the, the main focus of that Cowboys team. But I also just feel like Zeke has never really you know, return to his dominant rookie self. I mean, it seems like he's sort of let himself go a bit, experimented with playing at different weights. And if you look at the pictures out of, out of training camp and out of preseason, um, just ahead of week one, Zeke looks like being in the best shape of his life. And whether that's going to translate to him being faster on the field, you know, be, you know, faster in and out of his cuts and get to the edge more and, and just be uh, the quality running back that you expect to, to take within your first, you know, 20 picks of the draft, then I'm here for it. So I'm definitely buying into Ezekiel Elliott to be sort of the, the player that wipes away any, any preconceived notions that you may have had about him. My fantasy teams are reeling. They are partying after you just gave me Elliott and Mixon for Let's that. go. Thank you for that. Big time. Uh, I agree with both of those, like wholeheartedly, 100%. Let's talk a little bit about some rookies, specifically some rookie quarterbacks. My last superlative before we start flinging some players at Jackie gives us some takes is the most likely rookie to finish as a QB one. There's a handful of guys you could pick from. So Jack, I'm curious which one you went with. So I think this one depends on how you define QB one, because I think for the whole season, Lawrence is the most likely to finish in the top 12. I mean, he's one of the best quarterback prospects in recent memory. He's going to start week one. Uh, he's going to start all 17 games. So if you're looking at the whole season, I think Lawrence is most likely. But if you're only looking at games that the player actually starts, so if we're doing like a per-game basis type thing, I think Trey Lance and Justin Fields, their rushing upside, gives them a leg up over, over guys like Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So full season, Trevor Lawrence, um, per-game basis, Lance or Fields. I think uh, you might have hacked into my notes there, man, because that's basically exactly what I have. Love Lance and Fields on a per-game basis. There may very well be a point in time where you could start them every single week. Uh, but overall points, which is what people tend to look at and honestly kind of overrate in some instances, is the overall finish throughout the whole season. You got a guy like Trevor Lawrence who can make plays on the ground, definitely make plays in the air. And let's look at kind of take a look at the schedule he has to start with first i mean he gets houston arizona cincy 
Tennessee, Seattle. We don't know how those latter two teams' defenses are going to necessarily be, but for the most part, it's a very promising schedule to start on. Obviously, we don't want to put too much weight onto a schedule, but I just think that kind of adds to this narrative that Lawrence could definitely be a top 12 quarterback in this scenario. So those were our weekly superlatives. And if you thought that was fun, first off, thank you. Leave us a five-star review. Always happy to get those. But this this next part's a little more fun for Cole and I because we each have five different players, different positions, ages, all that type of fun stuff. We're going to take turns naming them. Jack, give us your take on them. You can take, take as long as you want. Take as short as you want. You want to give just a thumbs up, thumbs down, go for it. Whatever floats your boat. So, Cole, why don't you kick off our weekly 10 takes off here with Jack Miller. You can find him on Twitter. Jack Miller 2 right off the top of my head? Yep. Perfect. I got it. All right, Cole, your first take for Jack. Let's see what Jack's got for us. Yeah, I'm going to hit you with the everlasting enigma at the quarterback position, but it's that guy in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill. What do you think of him for fantasy purposes? I think he's a solid low-end quarterback one like he has been the last couple of years. I mean, he doesn't have the rushing upside of Lamar Kyler, so maybe he'll struggle to, to reach that true like upper echelon. echelon. But um, I think I think he's a fine starter in one quarterback leagues. Nice. How about I give you another quarterback? This one's been uh, in the news a lot more recently, especially after not being voted slash named, whatever the criteria went in for that, uh, picking out of a hat type thing. I digress. <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa, your thoughts? I like Tua. I mean, and if you're just in like a, a normal 12-team league and you only start one quarterback, he's probably outside of that top 12. But in best ball or in, in deeper leagues where you you need another quarterback, I I think Tua is one of the better late round options. He has great weapons at his at his disposal, and the hip should be fully healthy this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, welcome, welcome Jack Miller into the. To a Tech of Aleo fan, fan club because I'm definitely part of that group Ooh, as well. Um, and yeah, sometimes sometimes these quarterbacks just need time to develop. Not everyone is Justin Herbert breaking rookies there or breaking records their rookie year. But um, I mean, one player that helped Josh Allen develop was Stefan Diggs last season. Um, I mean, he was extremely influential in, in Buffalo. What about this season? What the weapons sort of, you know, maturing in Buffalo and they added Emmanuel Sanders. Is, is Diggs supposed to see the same amount of target share this year? I think it will. I think Diggs is as good as it gets um, as a talent. And then the Bills really started passing super heavily in the second half of the, of the year. If you look at their passing split, passing rate splits uh, in the first versus the second half, they were much pass heavier in the second half. Diggs's numbers jumped in the second half as a result. And I think you can expect them to be up there in pass rate again, and and that will only benefit Diggs. So he's a top three receiver for me this year. I like that a lot. And there's another player who I tend to like, and some people give me major pushback and some people give me major applause. Give us your take on Saquon Barkley. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it comes down to how you feel about the knee. And I've seen some conflicting opinions, but the majority of it from like the doctors and stuff I follow on Twitter, they seem to be pretty optimistic. And so as a result, I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, the Giants are going to be bad, but Saquon should catch a bunch of balls. And I mean, it's Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs in the league. Ooh, you kind of give a double-edged, uh, not even double-edged sword, a little jab to Giants fans there. Barkley's good, <laughs> but your team won't be. Ooh. Sorry yeah, to I mean any Giants fans listening. Well, and let's stick with the Giants because that's my next player is is on the receiving side of the ball uh Kenny Kenny G definitely improved his his stock you know getting out of Detroit getting into you know a major market and he has Daniel Jones and they're kind of expecting that tandem to to really elevate New York this season uh are you are you a big are you grabbing Kenny G in all your drafts uh this is I think the first one where I I don't have okay. like a positive opinion because I mean he, he's already <laughs> dealing with soft tissue injuries he missed a lot of the offseason. The Giants, like I said, I'm not very high on them this year. And then they do have a bunch of a bunch of guys who should get targets with Sterling Shepard, Saquon. Evan Ingram's hurt right now, but once he's healthy, he'll command uh, a decent target share. I mean, Kadarius Tony, they spent a first round pick on him. He probably won't do much, but they have weapons. Galladay's been hurt. I, I think there's just a lot of kind of red flags around him. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. And, you know, this is kind of – that's kind of really the big question is like, what are the flags surrounding him? And there's this one player 
and I wasn't planning on talking about him on the podcast, but recent news forced my hand, and I'm glad it did because I need I need your thoughts on this new RB1 in Baltimore, Le'Veon Bell. I'm putting air quotes for the people that can't see it. Le'Veon Bell is not an RB1. Jack, agree, disagree? Uh, I think it's more likely he's the RB3 in Baltimore. Oh. So not super interested in Le'Veon Bell. Short and sweet. I like it. Colt? Fair enough. I mean, if we go back to Buffalo, though, what about Zach Moss? I mean, he was pretty effective in the red zone with the Bills last season, but it seems like he's still splitting time with Singletary. Are, are you sold on him sort of taking the, the feature back role in that offense? It does seem like it's going to be a split, at least to start with, uh, with Moss taking the goal line work, but then Josh Allen takes goal line work too. So you can kind of wonder how valuable that, that role actually is. And then Singletary takes the pass catching. They split carries between the twenties um, with, with even Singletary taking, taking more of that work. So I think there is a lot of upside here in this backfield because of how good this offense is. But as long as it's a split, it's kind of tough to rely on either of them. But for season-long drafts, I mean, you can take either of them and then just hope that they emerge because if one of them does emerge, whether it's performance or injury-based, that would be a weekly starter in fantasy. Speaking of weekly starters in fantasy, where is the love for my man, Tyler Boyd? He just gets the job done. Your take? I think he's solid. I'm a big T. Higgins fan, mm-hmm. um, but Boyd is as dependable as it gets. I do think Higgins and Chase are just kind of special talents, and maybe Boyd gets squeezed for targets a little bit as the season goes on and Chase gets more acclimated to the league. I mean, I guess right now we've seen that Chase – needs a lot of acclimation because he had four drafts in the preseason, but uh, that was rough to watch, man. It was, it was not great, but yeah, I mean, Boyd is fine, especially in PPR because he should catch a bunch of those lower depth targets, but Higgins is my preferred Bengals receiver. Yeah, I mean, for me, if we're jumping into the tight end, Jared Cook is really an interesting option in LA just because of the previous success of the tight end position there. And also just, I mean, Cook has just been around the league. He's a journeyman, but he seems to always have a decent amount of production anywhere he goes. Um, Do you think there's going to be a connection between him and Herbert this season? I've been taking him late in some best ball leagues in normal leagues where, you know, you start one tight end. I don't really think he's on the radar, but his ADP is lower in tight end too. Um, Maybe Donald Parham takes some work, but Cook should get his fair share of targets and when you're going in the tight end 20s range I mean you don't need much to pay off ADP fair enough our last player of 10 takes we've gone through nine the 10th and final player you know I had to get a Florida Gator in here your take on the prodigal son himself Kyle Pitts long term obviously great player I mean there's a reason he was what the the highest tight end ever drafted but this year I think his ADP is is merely fair if not a little bit overvalued because of uh the history of rookie tight ends and and how difficult it is to adjust and because i think calvin Ridley's is just going to dominate that offense this year but long term pitts looks like he's going to be super special so yeah that's calvin ridley wide receiver one season for sure i hope so i hope so that dude is going to eat this is a very pro Calvin Ridley podcast. We talked about yes, him last is. week. We love him. Wide receiver one this season. And now we're a very pro Jack Miller podcast. So we knocked out our 10 takes, our superlatives. Got a few more things coming up. But Jack, my man, it was so awesome to have you on here. The first guest on the Breakout Football Podcast. Really appreciate having you, man. For sure. I'm honored. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. Feel free to plug your stuff where the listeners can find you too um my twitter is jack miller 02 uh you can read me on establish the run and nbc sports edge this season so yeah that's pretty much all i got in terms of (laughs) self-promotion nice awesome great at fantasy analysis great hair football (laughs) school not so much basketball school we'll give it to you appreciate your time jack yep thank you for having me Man, that was great with Jack. He is, he's definitely one of the people who like I've had my eye on for a while just because he's not only is he 
around our age and a student, but he's just so smart and uses uh, so much analysis and puts so much effort into the content and for fantasy. Definitely a must follow on Twitter. Please go follow him. I have a good feeling we'll be hearing from him uh, at some point down the line. We do like to bring in fresh faces. We got a couple on cue already, so stay tuned for the next few episodes, which will definitely be more focused on in season, which brings us now to our next segment the debut of true or false could have had a uh, more flashier name maybe but we're keeping it simple basically what cole and i are going to do and then by the way just putting it out there we have fan q a after this we will get to your questions we will answer them give you your advice but for now Cole and I got a few statements. We're going to kind of put on our uh, detective hats here. Say a couple statements. The other person will have to guess whether we believe them or not. Is it true or false? So, Cole, why don't you hit me with your first statement, your first take, prediction, anything, and I'll have to say whether I think it's true or false. Then you'll explain your reasoning behind why it was true or false. Yeah, here you go. I got a spicy one right out of the gate. So I believe Corey Davis can be a league winner. Hmm. Well, I do like Corey Davis's value right now. Playing on the Jets, though, how can you really be a league winner? Can you be someone dropping 20 plus points a game? That's my definition for league winner. I think you like Corey Davis, but I don't think you think he's a league winner. I think that's a false statement. No, I think I think it's I think it's a true statement, actually. Oh. I think Corey Davis, wide receiver 40. Like this is a dude that's just been, been waiting for his chance. And it seems like change of scenery in New York could be the best thing that could ever happen to him, right? I mean, they drafted Zach Wilson, they added weapons to that offense to get to surround Wilson with with talented playmakers and, and up and coming rising stars. Like, this is an offense that is poised to air out the ball. This isn't going to be a run-first offense. They have, what, Michael Carter at running back, Tevin Coleman. I mean, these are guys that were, you know, the, the second option on that would be the second option on other teams. So this isn't going to be a run-focused team. This is going to be a pass-heavy team. And so I think Zach Wilson, Corey Davis already have great chemistry in camp. They're going to carry that over into the regular season. And that's why I think Corey Davis at wide receiver 40 in PPR leagues great massive value and with wilson being an unknown product i think he'd be a more electric you know be more electric to start the season than people are anticipating Hmm. interesting i do like Corey davis i don't know if i'm that high on him but here's one player who i'm pretty high on it's not that spicy i believe derrick henry will be a top five running back true or false I want to say it's true just because he's being drafted in that range, but I think you might throw me a curveball and, and you don't believe that. So I'm going to say false. I don't think you, you, you believe Derrick Henry would be top five. Well, his ADP is the fourth player off the board. So you draft him in the top five. Hey, you're at least getting some sort of value there, but I don't think he'll be a top five running back this year. So you're right. Uh, I was fibbing i was lying i don't think i've ever said the word fibbing there so congrats. <laughs> um, you tried to play games with me <laughs> yeah well let's be real credit to derrick henry he was rb3 last year he was rb5 two years ago he's obviously shown he's a unit on the field and for your fantasy team so we know he can be a top five running back i'm not sitting here saying he cannot be a top five running back he clearly can To me, it's just he has no upside in the receiving game. And you have running backs like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley coming back, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, who are going to be involved now in the passing games. Obviously, Mixon, Eckler has always and really only been involved in that aspect of the game. I just think there's a lot more players who can be challenging to have top five upside. Henry obviously has that upside. He's relatively safe where you pick him. But to be a top five running back in my mind, you should have the upside to be the best running back in fantasy. You got your McCaffrey, your Camara, Cook, Zeke, Aaron Jones, maybe Barkley, Najee Harris. I, I would plant my flag on that, by the way. And look, yes, maybe the Titans run the ball a bit less now that they got Julio Jones. Maybe adding a, uh, an established veteran receiver like Julio opens up the box a bit more. And Derrick Henry has his best season to date all possible just to me i've been very vocal i would take zeke over henry 
And honestly, if you, I had to bet on someone like Aaron Jones or Saquon Barkley or Najee Harris finishing ahead of Henry, I would. So I don't believe Derrick Henry will be a top five running back. Could he be? Yeah, but that's boring. Come on. We, we don't keep it boring here on the Breakout Football Podcast. Yeah, no, sir. I mean, obviously, I think one of the things that goes unnoticed, too, is Henry has like yet to have a major injury in his in his career i mean actually since since he started being the bell cow for tennessee i know like Mm -hmm. he had some some issues early on when he was when he was splitting reps in that dual backfield under variable um but since he took over the bell cow role he hasn't really been sidelined too often and i feel like if if you keep feeding this guy eventually he's going to break down in some capacity whether it's a, a few games or or a game and that just hasn't happened yet and so i'm worried that like it's this is like a ticking time bomb um for for henry's durability yep a great point all right why don't you give me a shot now you're uh I guess you're beating me at this game if if we're keeping score but either way i'm going to see if i can guess if your next statement's true or false it's a short game don't worry so <laughs> true or false i believe Matthew Stafford, the new guy in LA, will be proof that patience in your fantasy draft pays off. True, hundred percent MVP candidate right here. In fact, I may just say he is my MVP pick. So I think you're, I think you're telling the truth. You believe that? Yeah, wholeheartedly. I mean, I'm a big fan of waiting on quarterbacks, and I say that. And the three most important leagues to me that I'm in, I've grabbed like Mahomes and Dak early on, just <laughs> because, like, I I haven't enjoyed that that really potent signal caller, you know, in my fantasy career yet. Cause I've been a big, you know, proponent of like, wait on your, wait on your fantasy quarterback. There's so much more value at the top of your drafts, but I've just found myself in the right situations here. If I were to go back and, and take a, a skill position player in, in place of those, you know, potent signal callers, I would take Matthew Stafford in a heartbeat. Cause this dude is quarterback 10. He's in a legendary Rams offense right now. And that, that is primed to do amazing things in 2021 with McVay. I mean, this is the quarterback McVay wanted since he took over in, in Los Angeles. He, he's mobile. He, Stafford's clutch. I mean, he seems to develop great chemistry with his receivers, and he, and he toughs it out for sure. I mean, that, that dude doesn't miss games. And so I think, I think Stafford is going to do great things in L.A. with the Rams. He's going to fit right in, and he's going to do great things for your fantasy team. Completely agree with all of that. Matthew Stafford is about to ball out in the Rams and those uh, questionable uniforms. Great stadium, though. Got to give it to No, me. you're not a big fan of the uniforms? I actually liked the the bone white that they got rid of. Oh, oh and that ends the breakup football podcast. <laughs> the we partnership. Can, we can no longer be co-hosts. I love the helmets. I love the color scheme, but just like the execution i do like these new white like throwbacks it's like they're not even throwbacks they're supposed to resemble throwbacks that they'll be unveiling on sunday night so i'll give them some props for that Uh, i don't have a rams player to talk about i have a tampa bay bucks player to talk about for any bucks fans listening i believe mike evans is the wide receiver to own in tampa i'm a big mike evans fan I don't know if I think you're going to throw me two falses because I think you may be a huge Chris Godwin fan or even think Antonio Brown is going to have a bigger role in that offense. Um, obviously, Godwin didn't meet expectations last year and Antonio Brown was kind of a wild card, but their roles may be a little bit more solidified. And Evans is a little bit hit or miss when it comes to if he gets a touchdown in that game or not. So I'd say false. You know me well, bro. You know me well. It's false. And it's false mostly because if you know me well enough, you follow my fantasy content, you know I'm fading Evans this year at his current price, and I am buying every single target share or every single share of Antonio Brown. I'm fading Mike Evans. I'm buying Antonio Brown. And the big reason, you know, you look at last year, Brown joined Tampa Bay in week nine, and obviously Evans and Godwin, they saw a dip in targets and therefore production. But Evans was still wide receiver one. Yet Brown averaged fewer than three points per game in that span compared to Evans. So the gap was very, very small. Heck, you even take out Brown's first game in a Bucks uniform, and the trio were top 18 receivers to end the season. 
But the real reason I prefer Brown, who by this time will be playing tonight, if you're listening to this on a Thursday when this drops, recording it on a Wednesday, can't do everything in one day. Uh, You can get Brown nearly five rounds later. Look, I know you've probably already drafted your teams and everything, but you hopefully you've taken my advice. You waited and drafted Antonio Brown instead of Mike Evans, who to me is a little too touchdown dependent. And every now and then he has like three or four duds each season, you know, but AB can match that. He totally can. And he's being drafted five rounds later. So while Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they're not bad picks by any means. And I, you are right. I'm a big fan of Chris Godwin, the player fantasy. Yeah. So, so, uh, Antonio Brown's wide receiver to own in Tampa, not Mike Evans, not Chris Godwin. Got you. I mean, I feel like that's a conundrum every single season. It's like Evans is the enticing option on paper, seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. But you get like in-game, and you see how those that yardage accumulates, and it's like, okay, a few monster games here, a few duds, and then you know just a, a batch of games that are just consistent production. But those touchdowns, like they're not anything special. They're like goal line fades slants from the two yard line like Evans is not your your yards after catch demon he isn't I mean he honestly like he has that talent to be just not really used like it so there you go first ever true or false we'll have that segment rotating every single week which brings us the moment you've all been waiting for the first ever fan Q&A We saw your questions. We picked out a few ones. We're going to answer them right now, starting with this fantastic question from Will underscore Sussis on Instagram. Five bold predictions. Go. Okay, I'm going to go through these rapid fire. Browns defense, really high on them this season. Stifle the Chiefs, week one. Patrick Mahomes for a loop after the Super Bowl. Hollywood. Hollywood Brown finally has this breakout game against Oakland. I think that defense is a very, very tasty option. And Brown definitely has the speed to just chop him up. And then I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my elation for Zach Wilson's fit in New York. I think he upsets Carolina and Sam Darnold playing his former team for his first career win. 49ers don't allow a single point to the Lions. I don't think the Lions reach the end zone once. They make like two red zone trips, but I think the 49ers take the ball away. And then CeeDee Lamb, multiple touchdowns against the Bucks. Could be two, could be three, but it isn't enough because Tampa Bay will hold on for a game-winning drive. Mm. I like those. I guess we're going to have to see what exactly you got right next week. We're going to have to revisit those. I went a little bit of a different route, if you don't mind. I kind of want to look at the season as a whole. So five bold predictions for the season. I think Joe Mixon finishes better than Antonio Gibson. Overall points per game, maybe points per game. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, give me a top two tight end finish. Not three, not four. Give me top two. We're going bold. Ryan Tannehill finishes above Tom Brady. So there you go. There's your boy Tannehill. Already said this is a pro Calvin Ridley podcast. Maybe this one isn't as bold, but Calvin Ridley, top two wide receiver. And my fifth and final bold prediction before we get into more questions. I think Derrick Henry has a good season, but I think Najee Harris finishes above him in fantasy. PPR points overall, PPR points per game, Harris over Henry. I mean, Najee Harris is basically like Derrick Henry light, you know, with with a better better receiving skills. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised. I thought I thought we were all in on Calvin Ridley here at, at the top spot. Who's who's above him? Uh, like Devontae Adams. Like, I mean, I'm not saying, Hey, he's top two. Maybe he's not two. You know, it could be, it could be Adams at two. It could be Ridley at one. I'm just saying I would be, uh, I I think he'll be a top two wide receiver. So our next question, why don't you bring this one up? Yeah. I remember when these two were jostling for the top running back spot, but this is from Jared Middleberg on Instagram as well. Saquon Barkley or Zeke this season. Who do you prefer? I love Saquon gotta give me Zeke and it's just his floor is much lower you know what the involvement's gonna be there even with when Dak was healthy last year Zeke was one of the top two running backs in fantasy give me Zeke love me some Saquon again sorry if I'm alienating any Giants fans by saying that both are good running backs both first round picks but I'll take Zeke over Barkley 
Yeah, I think Saquon is obviously going to have a large role in New York, but I think there's more question marks with that offense as well regarding the usage. And also they want to pass the ball more too, at least in Dallas, Zeke's role is a little bit more established and you know that they're going to, you know, balance out the, the passing, the passing game and the run game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And this question comes from TikTok from Z Galp strategy for pick eight. Look, I, we really maybe shouldn't have done this question, but I did want to talk about it because obviously drafts have for the most part ended, especially by the time you are listening to this. But I felt like uh, we could turn this into something what we would have done and the importance of having good running backs. Because if I'm at pick eight, I'm taking a running back. You miss out on a good running back, your team's over. Unless you get three top 10 receivers, a top 10 quarterback, and a top tight end. That's two holes in your roster right there that are not going to be uh, recuperated by, or yeah, I don't even know if I said that word right, but those are two holes right there that are not going to be filled uh, through other positions. It's not going to be enough to help you win. So if I'm picking at pick eight, I would have taken a running back, maybe come back around, take another one. What about you? Yeah, unless you have just extreme luck and waiver priority within the first few weeks of the season. And you get that, you know, attractive, shiny new running back that just pops up on waivers and wins you leagues. I mean, it was Jay one year. It was Devonte Freeman another year. There's always that one back that comes off waivers and you're, and you know, becomes a staple in your starting lineup, but I can never get that lucky. And so my strategy this season was no matter where I was picking in the first round in the second round, I was going running back, running back, back to back, because I just feel like there's a certain drop off to the point where, you know, that that elite running back production is just hard to come by. And when you look at all the receivers in this league, especially the incoming rookie classes are producing top tier talent that is able to produce, involve themselves in the offenses early and and like I said, produce top tier fantasy production. We saw that with CD lamb. We saw it with Justin Jefferson. I think we're going to see it with Jerry Judy this season as well. And also the, the incoming rookie class, I think Jamar chase irons out sort of his preseason difficulties. I think Devonte Smith becomes an early favorite target for Jalen hurts. Those guys are going to be in your fantasy lineup at some point this season and be consistent options in their following seasons. And so and, and like I said before, Corey Davis, wide receiver 40. You can afford to wait on your wide receivers. So that's what I would have done. Running back at pick number eight and select a running back in the following round as well. Yep, there you go. Let's keep it moving. We got two more questions left. What's the next question we got in the docket? Yeah, it's from Chad underscore Sakura. Back at it again on the Instagram. But we just mentioned Jalen Hurts' name. Start Hurts or Stafford week one. This is an interesting decision to me because I think there's more context that needs to be added there. And at first glance, it's like, why not? You're just picking Stafford for Chicago or Hertz at Atlanta. It's not necessarily the case because I like both of them as starters. But to me, Stafford seems a bit safer. Like, I think his floor is going to be a bit higher because you know he's going to be heavily involved as a passer, which again, sounds pretty blatant. But that Rams offense is going to be throwing the ball a lot. At least you would imagine with the weapons, they have the offense Sean McVay has built. They're probably trying to replicate that offense from when Jared Goff was running it. So I think Matt Stafford's floor is relatively high. His ceiling could be high too, but he doesn't have the rushing upside that Jalen Hurts has. So if we get Jalen Hurts, like he played those three games last year, his upside top five, top five quarterback. So if you have a safer team, you feel like you got guys that you you think you know what you're going to get from them. The floors are pretty high. You're not too worried about the risk involved with them. Take a risk here and play Hurts. Shoot for the upside. However, if you feel like that's all your team is, a bunch of risks, players who are going to go for 20 points or five points, I would say you want a little safety net in there. Go Stafford. I would say take the risk, honestly. I mean, that Atlanta Falcons defense is still cake. It didn't really get all that much better this season. And we just saw consistent, you know, multiple bombs last season on that unit. And so I'm, I expect it to be a little bit better. But I think Jalen Hurts with his rushing upside, um, you know, you've got many angles of, of attack on this Eagles offense, right? The receivers, the tight ends. Uh, you throw Miles Sanders in there, too. He's, he's expected to be a little bit more consistent and healthy this season as well. I think there's just a lot of potential for this Eagles offense in week one. 
And Hurts could be it certainly be a boom play against that Falcons defense. How about another start sit question to round out the podcast? This one coming again from Instagram from Zach Treader Zero of these three receivers. Who are you starting? Galladay, Judy, or Juju? I mean, I think I said on the on last week's podcast that Juju is the second option to own in Pittsburgh. Chase Claypool was the fourth option, but Deontay Johnson is is my guy in, in, in Pittsburgh for the Steelers. I think he is going to have an excellent week one, carry that into the rest of the season. Um, Galladay, I talked about him earlier in the podcast, but I'm not sure if I'm confident throwing him out week one. Jack was talking about, you know, his injuries um, being held out of preseason and, we still don't know what that what that chemistry looks like with him and Jones. I would say it's tough, right? It, it is really tough because all of these guys, honestly, I think go with the the proven commodity because Jerry Judy, for as impressive as he was, still seemed to be adjusting to NFL game speed last year, and and also he has a new quarterback as well. And so Juju is the only one that retains some, some consistency, right, from last season. And you know Juju is going to have a role in that offense. Just because there's many options in Pittsburgh doesn't mean there's too many mouths to feed. And so I think I would go with Juju in this, in this situation. Yeah, it's ironic because I love Kenny the player. I hate his situation. I like Judy the player. I'm not a fan of his situation. <laughs> exactly. I don't really like Juju so much as the player. Like, again, I think he's probably the third best receiver on that roster. Yet his situation just might be slightly better than Galladay's and Judy's. Yeah. Galladay's got the worst quarterback, a tougher matchup versus Denver. Judy in the same game, bad quarterback, tough matchup versus, uh, or at least not bad, but it's Bridgewater playing against a revamped Giants secondary. I don't love Juju, but we know what we can get with him. We know his role. I would expect somewhat of a pass-focused game between the Steelers and the Bills. I know the defenses are good, but the offenses should be generating more plays than like the Giants and the Broncos offense. So there's no definitive reason for me to go one of those guys over the other. I'm going to have to lean Juju and hope you've got a high upside wide receiver on your bench to bank on throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. And another just rule of thumb for fantasy to follow is start your studs week one, right? It's one week out of the fantasy season. You drafted them for a reason. And that was to be in your starting lineup. You might as well just roll the starters out for the first week and then make adjustments based on their production and, and that way you have the sense of security. And if one of your starters pops up on your bench, you're like, oh man, why did I, why did I overthink this? At least you leave week one with some sort of, you know, okay, this is my plan going in. And then this is how I'm going to attack mm-hmm. the following weeks. Exactly. It kind of brings me back to a couple of years ago. Um, I was the most high on Lamar Jackson. I was telling everyone, go draft Lamar Jackson two years ago. So his breakout season, I said, you have to draft him. I also took Carson Wentz that year, and I was co-managing a team with my friend, and we took Wentz, and we took Lamar Jackson a couple rounds later, and I, he was like, we should start Lamar. And I'm like, dude, like we just drafted Wentz. We'll be fine. We won the week. Wentz put up, like I don't know, like 23 or so points. That was the game Lamar popped off against the Dolphins and announced yeah. himself to the world as a fantasy savior. And – Lamar dropped like 30 or something points. So again, don't be afraid to start your bench player, but when in doubt, go with the guys you drafted first. It can't hurt most of the time. Yeah, it's generally generally sound advice mm-hmm. um, for, for the fantasy amateur, but I think it's, it's one that needs to be repeated, especially in week one, just so we don't get ahead of ourselves. It's a long season. And for more generally sound advice or advice that's just absolutely crazy to the walls, WandaVision-style hecticness, follow us here. Keep listening to us. You can follow us all over social media, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, Maybe not MySpace. Sorry, we're not going to be doing that. But every other social media, at Ham Analysis. Ham Analysis, pretty simple. At Zach Cohen FB, Z-A-C-H-C-O-H-E-N. FB, we will have an episode every single week. Please leave us a five-star review. Uh, we read those. We look at those. That's awesome. Maybe we'll read some on the podcast. Who knows? That's, that's some good foreshadowing. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm just still stuck on the 
the realization of the luxury that I don't need to spell out my name every single time that I say it, because there's so many ways to, to spell Zach. One of my, one of my friends here at ASU, he spells it the same way that you do, but some people spell with the K and the C. Some people just drop, drop the C altogether and put the K. So to me, it's like, I could never rock this, just the C that's like Zach Efron style, like too cool for, (laughs) um, if your name is just Zach, then like H or K works. But if your full name is Zachary, which mine and most people are, Wait, wait, you're just putting a K in there? It's like the same thing, like if your nickname is Dick, but it's Richard, like just go yeah. Rich, you know? Or there's so like what's Robert, Bobby? Never been a fan of those type of names. Uh if I have a son or daughter with names like that, we're gonna keep it simple. We're not gonna throw in an extra letter, but please throw in an extra star for a five-star yes. review. Yes, please. Breakout football podcast. Uh, we're still looking for a good way to sign off our shows. So I don't know. You got any closing thoughts before we head out of here? Nah, just excited for football to be back. Um, yeah, I like you said before the podcast, we're gonna be what what was the term you used? Sofa surfing? Sofa Sunday. Sofa yeah. Sunday, yes. Oh yeah. Screens, sofas, Sunday. That's all that's all you Chips need. Chips and salsa, maybe. Yeah, maybe some salsa, maybe some salsa. Uh, I'm running through all the S alliterations. Try not to fall asleep, uh, but the Jets-Panthers game might not do me any favors on that. <laughs> the NFL red zones, it's going to be beautiful. Football is back, people. Football is back. I can't wait, man. I can't wait for what's in store for this podcast, too. Stay tuned next week. That's all I got to say. Why don't you send us out of here since I don't know how to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's really no perfect way to end this, but we appreciate you all for listening. Once again, at Ham Analysis, at Zach Cohen FB. And yeah, we're looking forward to our next conversation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.